0: Oh, where's a Rob? Oh, where's a Rob? I would like to end this episode. That was, that scanned terribly. Yeah, Uh. you might want to cut that. (laughs) This is Matthew, normally one of the co-hosts for the Superhero Ethics Podcast. I wasn't on this particular episode, but I wanted to give you all a spoiler warning. This episode contains spoilers for the Stormlight Archives novels by Brandon Sanderson, as well as quite a lot of MCU and DC properties, as well as the musical Les Miserables. Don't at me, folks. I wasn't part of it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Superhero Ethics Podcast. I'm Jacob Leachich, I'm one of your hosts, and Matthew is not joining us this week, which means that I get to hijack the podcast and talk about Brandon Sanderson. Uh, Well, okay, that's that's not strictly speaking true, even though this is the second time he has not been here, and we are once again talking about that. Uh, But this time, rather than just myself and Rob McKenzie, who is present, Rob, say hello. Hi, I'm Rob McKenzie. Uh, We also have... Oh,
1: so, go on. Oh, I thought that you wanted me to introduce myself more, but... Yeah, introduce
0: yourself more. That's fine. All right,
1: sure. Um, I am a magic judge, a science fiction reader. I lead a bunch of magic judges, read a bunch of things, write occasionally on random things on the internet, and I'm a big Brandon Sanderson geek because everything he writes is really good, so...
0: We're not biased on this podcast at all, which is why you'll never hear Matthew or I talking about uh, the Netflix MCU at all. Uh, None of the Netflix Marvel shows will will ever talk about, in particular Daredevil, in particular the character of Wilson Fisk. We have nothing to say about him. Uh, But also joining us today, and I'm very excited for this, he requested to be on the next uh, Sanderson won we did. He thought it would be for Words of Radiance, and I apologize because we decided to have a broader topic. But joining us today uh, is Steve Peterman. Steve, say hello. Tell us about yourself.
2: Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Steve Peterman. I also am a magic judge. Uh, I worked rather closely with Rob and Jacob back when I lived near them. I have since moved out of state and now am a tournament organizer running a whole bunch of magic tournaments all over the place. I spend a lot of time in cars and therefore a lot of time reading books and I can't get enough Brandon Sanderson and as fast as he writes he doesn't write fast enough for
0: me uh that would not be true for me so one of the reasons that uh I have these two on uh is that among people who talk with me about books uh people have come to understand I am very slow at reading um it takes me a long time to get through uh books and so like I've only been through a lot of the material we're going to talk about today in one pass, uh, that is not true of my two friends here, uh, which is delightful because it means I get to take advantage of all of their knowledge uh, and act like I'm really smart by agreeing with them. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, but basically, what we're going to do today? So we, yes, we are we are going to talk about uh, the Knights Radiant again. We're going to be talking about Stormlight Archives, um, but it's it's sort of a broader topic than that. Uh, Rob and I were talking recently about how the you know basically we were trying to take characters from the MCU which uh, obviously we, we talk about constantly on this podcast and sort of boxing them into the different orders of the Knights Radiant and the reason why this became fascinating to us is we were realizing that. Uh, the different Orders of Night's Radiance themselves are sort of a categorization of heroic archetypes that we see across all forms of media. Uh, Brandon Sanderson, to his credit, did a pretty good job of finding the different ideologies that formulate a, a heroic sort of thesis statement, a hero's thesis statement, um, and sort of creating a, a classification for them and creating a group of like, this is where, this is these like-minded individuals, this is where they center around um and then sort of giving them magic powers that made sense for that uh for that classification um and so today basically what we're going to be doing we're going to be looking at some of the different orders that we know about uh, from a perspective of what is unique to them their unique ideology um how they apply to heroes we are familiar with. So if you're not familiar with the Night's Radiant or with the Stormlight Archive series, you don't need to be, we're going to be talking about uh, characters like Captain America, Spider-Man uh, people that we talk about constantly on this podcast, just using a slightly different framework to approach talking about how they deal with being a hero. Right. Um, and so generally speaking, I think, uh, and and we were uh, sort of doing a little bit of preamble on this. uh, We all can pretty easily go, okay, for some of these different orders, um, here's a hero that that seems a lot like them. And that's probably because, it's a lot because we look at their ideals, these oaths that they swear that are specific to the orders, and we can can pair them up with another hero. Uh, So to kick us off uh actually i'm i'm going if you don't mind i'm going to throw to steve um, cuz you had some ideas about uh some of these and i'd like to know like generally speaking uh if you want to pick an order if you want to pick a hero uh what, what are your broad thoughts on on this topic
2: um there are a whole bunch of things that i feel i enjoy uh i think would match uh we've got the bondsmiths they're the the ones who are bringing everyone together uh, and the person that I see the most bondsmith in is actually Nick Fury. Uh, he's the one who pulls the, the whole Avengers cast together. Um, and he's the one who works with all the world leaders, getting them to, at least in the first movie in the MCU, agree to, to support the Avenger initiative.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like he's so, so th- there's this, uh, this thing about uniting, about bringing people together uh, and that's specific to the bondsmiths, because that's, well, it it lines up with the bondsmiths because that's sort of their role in the universe. Right? Right. Uh,
2: That's the whole purpose of the bondsmiths uh, from what we've seen is to, to unite rather than divide. And he was kind of absent for the whole civil war thing, but, uh, he he did bring the Avengers together in the first place, and in in the fiction, the Sanderson fiction, he does his whole th- thing is to unite them.
1: Right. Yes. Uh, so I wanted to comment before we get too far. I wanted to talk about the Order of Bondsmiths themselves, just as a separate. Thing. Yes. Sure. Um, so the the Bondsmiths. Uh, so the the different orders of Knights Radiant all start with the same oaths. For people who haven't read uh, the Sanderson the Sanderson books, they all start with. Uh, Life before death, Uh, you put life before death, you don't, you do things that help people live instead of kill people. Uh, You put strength before weakness, you use your strength to protect the weakness of others, and you set journey before destination. Uh, The means are as important as the ends, and a journey must have a beginning and an end. And so the, the Bondsmiths are the the, the small group order that is basically in charge of setting the rules for the other orders, uniting them as a group and acting as the the, the boss of the knights radiant is probably the, the best way to phrase it. They're not they're not the, each of the orders is an independent fully functioning unit but the the three bondsmiths because there can only ever be three uh, set how everybody
2: else interacts. And the, there were a small number of Bondsmiths. It's not like there were oodles of them coming out everywhere. There were ever only three.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, this makes sense from a... If you, again, look at a media, a superhero media, or just heroic media in general, it makes sense you're only going to have so many uh, centralized leader-type characters, right? Only so many nexuses are around which groups of heroes can, can form, because otherwise it it it's too hard to tell the story if, if I'm being... Uh, you know, sort of meta analytic with it. Um, I think another example, and we don't have it in our notes, but uh, I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, I thought Professor Xavier, Charles Xavier, might actually fit as a Bondsmith. I was thinking exactly
1: the same thing right now. I was like yep. who's in charge of the X Men? Yep. Yep.
0: And it, and it's the same kind of thing. He goes. He takes it upon himself to find these sort of like minded individuals and give them a a united purpose. And so this is a a you know, it's it's a tried and true. Uh, I don't. I hesitate to say the word trope, but it's it's sort of a, a story, uh, a character story that we see in heroic media time and time again. It's the person who uh, wants to bring people together. Uh, because we're strong you know it's the the stronger together idea right it's that if i can get a bunch of of powerful people to all center around a common goal or a common ideology i can effect greater change right mm-hmm. um and then looking at right i was just going to comment on uh yep uh, yep, Martian okay. Manhunter, I was, John John's Martian Manhunter, another, at least in the Justice League, uh, animated series. Yes. A uh, great example of this type of character as well. Yes. Um, one can, of the things I find, oh, go on. Can, can I speak
1: to the two oaths that the Bondsmiths take? Yes, please do, I was uh, yet, I was
0: just gonna go into that, yeah.
1: Because the each of the Orders, once they've sworn the, the common oath to make them a Knight Radiant, uh, of life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination, swears, uh, like, oaths specific to their order at different levels there's that makes them a level one night radiant, basically and you can be up to level five uh the the second oath for bondsmiths to make them level two uh dalinar in the book swears i will unite instead of divide and his Mm -hmm. his level three is i will take responsibility for what i've done if i fall each time i will rise a better man and uh, he he ties that one together with uh the most important step a man can take is the next step. uh no matter what what you do continue to improve continue to do better. and uh that's that's the what the bondsmiths bring to other heroes is they try to make them better.
0: yeah and there's a, there's sort of a leadership by example angle here, right? Mm-hmm. um because again uh if you accept your if you accept your failures if you accept uh that it's okay to to fall well, why do we fall master bruce so we can get back up again so <laughs> yeah, i'm not saying exactly. that alfred is i'm not saying alfred pennyworth is Bond smith but i'm saying like it's that that idea is also pervasive um did you uh steve did you have any other uh, examples or thoughts on the sort of Bondsmith archetype or or their ideals?
2: Um, well, the other person in the MCU that I sort of saw falling into a Bondsmith role, uh, kind of by default, because he had all the money, was Tony Stark. Uh, once, mm. once Nick Fury kind of walked off the scene a little bit, uh, he was kind of leading the Avengers. He was building Avengers Tower uh, and giving them a home. And I see uh, a little bit of a parallel between Avengers Tower and uh Urethir, the the city of the Knights Radiant. Um Yes. I I disagree with you on what order Tony Stark is. Uh, I completely um, disagree with that, uh, but I see him filling kind of a <laughs> uh, kind of that role.
1: Yeah. I think that I think that Captain America is the one who steps into that role. I agree that Nick Fury dials that down a lot once he finishes in the first movie putting them together. Mm-hmm um, and I feel that Captain Captain America acts as the the person who improves other heroes, the person who, at the end of Civil War, after he beats the hell out of Tony Stark, he, he gives him back his shield and says, If you need me, call me. I'm still available. I'll still be your hero. Um, I will still try to make us better. Right. Um, right. And so he, no matter, like, he could have walked away, not turned into a villain, stopped being a hero, but instead he said no. I'm, I'm going to bring back the group of Avengers if you ever actually need me, so.
0: And then, uh, obviously, uh, in the MCU, and we have this in our notes, and I do like it, so I wanted to comment on it, I think T'Challa is a very good fit for a bombsmith as well, and literal, actual king aside, um, one of the things that's uh and matthew and i commented about this uh in our episode on black panther where we talked about black panther one of the things we really liked about the character of T'Challa was that he was more about uh bringing people together um and less about fighting against a particular thing he had to uh because of what killmonger was doing um but it was more about learning how to how to lead uh and the bondsmiths are Obviously, they are put into this leadership position. That's like their whole thing. Uh, and so, sort of like we, we've spent a fair amount of time talking about the Bondsmiths. I think they're one of the more fascinating orders. But before we move on from them, um, what do we take issue or, or with with their ideals, or what do we think could be potentially problematic about uh, the oaths we have to swear? And but before we uh, respond, I'm just I want to sort of cage what i'm saying because every time i'm reading uh the stormlight archives books when i'm reading uh the characters interacting with uh their spren remember if, if, if you don't remember the previous episode um they have these sort of cognitive entities that they are bonding with uh that have this sort of idealized ish version of what uh the world is like, like what ethics are like uh and the the issue with that is that any particular ideology taken to an extreme can be can easily become problematic um and so i'm bringing this up because every single one of these knight's radiant orders seems like it has a built-in failure mechanism if the person's not checking themselves right right so
2: so the parallel i see here is uh in in the fiction the the bondsmith Dalinart is accused of imperialism he's trying to take over the world and oh, yeah. in the MCU, uh, that's the whole superhero registration act was, you know, we the, we're afraid of these people taking over the world.
1: Yeah. And, Absolutely. And Cap as a bondsmith works really well for that because he rejects all checks on his power. He goes, I, I trust my own judgment. I don't need you to, to, to put reins on me. I'm fine with all of the power because I am trustworthy and I don't trust arbitrary people. And that's pretty close to Dalinar, right? Right, right. Because Dal- Dalinar says, you know, I've I've become good. And Dalinar, in his flashbacks in Oathbreaker, is a villain. He's the <laughs> yep. most he's the most villainous villain. He he shows up and he he he's modeled on Genghis Khan as a, a brutal warlord, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the the reason people don't trust him is because he he. And his brother, his brother decided that they wanted to unite um, the ten warring kingdoms of Alethkar. And so his brother had two tools, which was a politician and a warrior. And so he used the pol- his politician tool, Sidious, to you know backstab people and sweet talk people. And then he sent Dalinar to burn their cities to the ground. In one case, literally. Right. D- Dalinar said,
0: "Kill them all." But and so yeah, here is a case where. In an effort to bring everybody together, uh, the character is not committing great good. In fact, quite the contrary. Um, from, If we want to look at uh, example, other examples in fiction of Bondsmiths that aren't actually heroes, I would argue... Uh, Charles Xavier's counterpart, uh, Eric Lanter, uh Magneto, is clearly also like he brings together the quote brotherhood of evil mutants. They shouldn't be called evil mutants because whatever. What does that even mean? But um, the brotherhood, right? He's uniting people around the idea that there's nothing wrong with us, and that people shouldn't be telling us that we're other or different or when, when we're in fact superior. The problem is, of course, that is he also takes sort of an imperialist bent.
1: Right, and even Charles uh, Xavier does that too. Um, oh, yeah! It uh, uh, on a, on a number of occasions <laughs> in the comics, including Onslaught, where he's just like, yeah. "I need to unite you, so I need to provide an enemy for you." Right. And that's, uh, yeah, not great. <laughs> when your focus is only on uniting people, well, it, I, that that seems like a thing that can definitely that can definitely be a problem when you're when you take any means to get to that end.
2: Right, which is why I think that the first oath, especially for the Knights Radiant in and Bondsmiths, is important. Is that all these other oaths kind of go to an extreme and the first oath is, well, yes, these other oaths are an end, but how you get there is also important.
0: Right. And when you're when we're talking about the first oath, it's you're talking about all three? Uh, like that first. Package?
2: Yes, the the, thir- the first set of oaths. Yeah, it's the level one package. The the, the yep. life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination
0: yeah I wanted to be clear because you could you could interpret each of those statements as a as an individual oath, but there that one is sort of packaged together you can't swear one without the other two and still be considered part of one of these orders right um that we're aware of i guess and and Wow, I, we are way too late in the episode for me to be throwing up a spoiler warning, but uh, spoiler alert, we're going to be basically spoiling everything we know about the Stormlight Archives whenever we get a chance to talk about it, so uh, you're 30 minutes yeah, in or that's so, right. but uh, sorry about we'll, that, folks. I, we'll yeah, fix it I in post. S- I
2: spoiled,
1: yeah, I, I spoiled <laughs> Dalinar's most stupefying flashbacks, so uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, the one where he burns the entire city to the ground, including his wife. Yeah, that one. Uh, yeah 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 that, that one. one that <laughs> um, one's that one's real, uh, that, real bad uh, oh man the payoff for me at,
1: at any means to my end of uniting people they, you know if they strive against me burn them
0: all <laughs> yep <laughs> uh yeah and i mean you could make an argument that he's still in line with those ideals if you take a a quote big picture perspective right if right, you're too because, utilitarian well, about it you could yeah that's that's quite
1: machiavellian Right, yes. and, and during his during his earlier campaigns, his brother says, "All right, uh, kill all these people. Uh, that way, we save a bunch of lives over here that we don't have to murder to unite them." And you could ask the question: Did we have to murder either group? Why are we uniting these people if we have to kill them to do it? But
0: right, all right. Uh, any any closing thoughts about uh, the the sort of bondsmith? ideology order before we move on to another,
2: i think that we're quite ready to move on from the bondsmiths uh we can go to the other edge of All the right. spectrum and, and go to edge dancers
0: Ooh, yeah i fucking yeah. love the edge dancers um quite a lot they might be they don't contain my favorite character but they're probably my favorite order of the nice radiant so oh. uh yeah. Yeah. yeah, Rob's like. That's fair. Oh. I understand. That makes sense. I, I mean, yeah. I, I I'm a bondsmith, so like... I know you are. know <laughs> 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 you are. That's why we're such good friends. That, and that you know, yeah. we don't actually like you. For each other. anybody listening
2: <laughs> who doesn't actually know Rob, that isn't his ego talking. He actually is a bondsmith.
1: Yep. <laughs> yep. I yeah. I I organize when I, when I say like I downplay my magic judge my magic did stuff a little bit on this because i i run the usa north region and i do all sorts of things like make physical appreciation tokens for all sorts of judges all over the world and i Mm -hmm. i am one of the people that selects the conduct committee and you know i do i do these things to unite and bring people together in the judge program constantly because that's yeah
0: yeah li- li- literal actual bonds yes uh, i'm not now i'm not saying i am an edge dancer i just think they're my favorite order i haven't oh they're so soul- haven't done the soul searching to think of where i fall into here that's a good exercise for for a discussion maybe post uh yes post recording uh but for now uh yeah i uh, why don't we yeah. talk about the edge dancers? steve do you want to sort of lead us in with what makes that uh, yeah
2: make- so their ideals are all about the little guy um they, they swear the first ideal, the life-before-death ideal, just like everybody else. But their second ideal is, I will remember those who have been forgotten. And their third is, I will listen to those who have been ignored. Uh, you might think those go a little hand-in-hand, hand, but if if you actually go through and read the books, there is a little nuance between them. I don't think we need to go into that here. Uh, but right. but it reminds me of heroes who do fight for the little guy. People like Spider-Man, your, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. who well he does save the world occasionally... Uh, is more focused on his little his little neighborhood
0: right and it's it's less about what they accomplish because yeah, you can still save the world with your primary focus being you know watching out for for the common person right or for for you know your neighbor next door or what have you it's, it's more about their motivation and how they approach being a hero uh, and i agree with you spider-man like fits very nicely into this um and, like, to, to, to a certain extent, it's also fascinating to me that uh, Sanderson chose to make the uh, only edge dancer we've given a lot of time to see also sort of a quipping, fast-talking, uh, silly person like Spider-Man is, even though, uh, as you brought up, Steve, uh, in sort of our pre-discussion, uh, according to the lore, that's not what the edge dancers were like originally.
2: Right, in the in the books we have little snippets of what was this order in history. Um, When we're introduced to the world in the way of Kings, there are no Knights Radiant. Well, there are, they're just not out in public. Um, So the, the 10 orders do have a history, but we're also founding a new generation of each order as we go through the books. Um, And historically the edge dancers have been the, the stuffy bookworm kind of people. And the the new edge dancer that we see is is the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. She's Spider Man. She's very precocious. Like, <laughs> she she actually is Spider Man. Uh, she can stick to walls. Yeah, if, yeah. if
0: you... L- lift is great. Uh, no, she does the opposite. Lift. It... Yeah, <laughs> lift is great. She's amazing, and I love her to pieces. And uh, but I do think it's interesting because the I will remember those have been who have been forgotten. Uh, you could apply that ideal as somebody who is a uh, a cataloger, a recorder of history, right? right? That yes. and then you would be, you know, sort of. So, like, I was trying to think of examples of heroes who that's one of the things they do. Um, and I know they exist. Um, like, I was trying to make a case for Oracle, so the DC hero Oracle. Um, yeah, Barbara Gordon is right yes uh usually post a traumatic event um when she's no longer batgirl or batwoman or whatever whatever this particular storyline decided to make her um but it doesn't quite fit uh and i'm trying so i'm trying to think of like as a sort of a, a another example of a hero that still fits that ideology but who approaches it from from a less physical perspective from less of a you know going around and helping the local neighborhood and more um being somebody who's a champion of the people uh
1: i i have a a very old heroic character pitch go for it uh mycroft holmes oh yeah what that's an interesting pull yeah He, he knows everything about everyone right the original mycroft Holmes, not like when you see later stuff but when you look at the original mycroft he doesn't go out and do anything right right sherlock holmes comes to him and he asks him questions and mycroft knows everyone he's never Mm -hmm. talked to them but he remembers everything um he remembers those who have been forgotten and he he has an informant network it's obvious he listens to people and he knows stuff about random street folks and random uh, random pieces of
0: knowledge Mm -hmm. right right yeah so so that that that's why I said Wow, because that that completely tracks it's it's again it's a different approach, but it's still somebody whose focus is making sure that uh people are heard and not ignored, right people are remembered that people are um you know the 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 smallest small like doctor who actually I think in a lot of ways is a great example potentially depending on the incarnation mm-hmm. of the doctor. Right, the doctor has many different incarnations, but like uh certain iterations of the doctor definitely fit the edge dancer model. Um,
2: oh man, now I want to uh, sort the doctors into infer- orders.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that is a, again an exercise we could do for fun later. I think Eccleston actually is an edge dancer um. But like Baker isn't Tom Baker, is not and Colin Baker yeah. definitely is not. Yeah, definitely. uh, but <laughs> that's uh, again, an exercise that we will do later yeah. so we don't uh potentially lose most of the audience. Although I'm pretty sure a lot of our people have l- at least watched some Doctor Who, maybe not wait, uh, classic, wait, you mean but there's
2: crossovers?
0: Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think, I mean. It, if if I'm wrong, tweet at me at bots are people 2 and say, I ain't seen no Doctor Who. Tweet with the hashtag not a real doctor. Uh yeah, <laughs> we'll I... see how that goes. Yep.
1: Um is, I, my pitch is also um some incarnations of Batman and most incarnations of Green Arrow tend to fall into this.
0: Yeah. I mean so like it depends. The 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 DC the current television Green Arrow, I don't think does. I have strong See, opinions. Season one, he might yeah. have. Uh, I don't really like the new green, the the television Green Arrow, so I'm not going to talk too much about it. But yeah,
1: but the, but the DC animated universe Green Arrow, who like oh, takes yeah. down the Justice League at first, and he's like, I have stuff to do in my town, you idiots. I, yep. I don't have time for this crap. And they're like, we need somebody to keep us honest because
2: we get out of touch with the little guy. He's like, Ugh, fine. um how about i I know this is going to catch jacob here uh the the netflix daredevil wait who yeah right
0: who's who's daredevil (laughs) yes i mean to interestingly to a slightly lesser extent but daredevil is focused around hell's kitchen Mm -hmm. right and he's he ends up getting your yeah you're right obviously uh he gets involved in conflicts centered around people he cares about, right? They're very, it's a very personally focused thing. Um, but he's not willing to sacrifice, uh, he's not willing to sacrifice just random people in the neighborhood, right. even, right? Right. Um, you know, I, he's, I, it, I would cool. say that Luke Cage, even more so than him. Oh, definitely. Ex- except for by the end of season two, he has sort of abandoned his, his oaths. Um, I don't know if you've seen all of uh, Luke Cage. Yeah, but at, okay. I, the, the season one of Luke
1: Cage, he's hundred percent edge dancer. Oh, like absolutely. all he does is fight for the little guy. So. Absolutely.
0: Um, and and does all and like is very focused. What's interesting though is that both of both edge dancers and Bondsmiths uh, share a common care for the community, but they approach it in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. The edge dancer is sort of individual people focused, uh, and the bondsmith appears to be more uh, the the aggregate, the group focused. If that makes sense. And if it doesn't make sense, yeah. I can maybe try different words. No.
1: It like so if they if they had a choice, if they showed up in a community and there's a bunch of sick people, the edge dancer might care for them each one at a time, where the bondsmith would wrangle a bunch of people together, try to try to find it, it, and try to use them as uh, as a group to research together to find a cure for the disease
0: right systems based uh, solutions versus uh individual based solutions right right yeah um and some some Batman uh, I agree with you, although it, it again it really depends on the fiction some of the things about right. uh, the heroes in our popular media uh, is that their stories have been told so many times that it's difficult to say I, Matthew did a whole episode on this before I came out of the podcast about quote my Batman and who is my Batman and who is not my Batman um, like I don't think that the Batman from the Lego Batman movie is an edge dancer, but there certainly well, are Batman they... that
1: <laughs> yeah D- DC animated universe is again again yep. a good spot to go back to where Batman it, it, they, they invite him into the Justice League and he goes I'll be a part-timer I got a bunch of crap to do in Gotham and then they call him up later, and they're like, we need you to do these things. And he's like, decline, I'm a part-timer. I got <laughs> stuff to do. And hangs up on him. <laughs> and they're like, what? And he's like, I go beat up drugs in the street. They're like, but fighting literal gods. And Busying. he's like,
0: yeah, but you have, like, Superman and crap. Like, it's fun. <laughs> He's just there to tell Superman when he's wrong. He's not there to actually solve their problems. It's
1: true. Uh did we want to talk about the the problems with the edge dancer
0: ideals? I mean, oh, there there clearly aren't any because they're my favorite. Uh, no, there are there are definitely problems with the edge dancers. Um, yes, I think
2: I think historically, so edge bad. dancers were were yeah. so backwards looking that they didn't see the other problems that were in front of them. Um, and looking back on mm-hmm. on people who have been forgotten, they weren't working on the next generation of of edge dancers or as of Nights Radiance as a whole.
0: Um. So, sort of the the second oath makes them betray the third by extension if they if they focus too far in. Right.
2: Well, and and obviously it's a progression. Right, and if you have yeah. too many second
0: level edge dancers
2: and none of them actually progress to level three, then then that's where you're just going to be stuck.
0: Yeah. Hmm. There, there could be – there's an analog that could be drawn with another program with levels that we're familiar with. But uh... <laughs> uh,
1: I, I also want to point out that the oaths that we know don't have active components where the Bondsmith right. oath is I will unite. I will do this thing. W- remembering and listening is not active. It's mm-hmm. passive. It's passive. Mm-hmm. And so they, they could just sit there and listen to all your problems all day long. They, they will be the 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 friend whose shoulder you cry on and then you leave their house and they don't do anything to help you right. uh, which sometimes is what you need and sometimes it's perfect and wonderful at other times you need the friend who you cry on their shoulder they, they pause and they say you sit here for a minute I'm gonna go clock your boyfriend in the face uh and uh, like different yeah, mm-hmm. different strokes right
0: you're right there, there is a, a distinct lack of a call to action. Uh, in the edge dancer ideals, um, in, in the unique ones, uh, obviously the, the ideals, every nice radiant swears, honestly also are not necessarily active. They're more about the direction of, of your, right. Radiant, well, and that's,
2: that's another thing about but, that um, first set of ideals is that each order actually interprets those differently. And Mm -hmm. some orders take life before death to be as literal as, of course I have to live before I can die. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, And one of the ones we probably won't get to spend a lot of time on, unfortunately, because we don't know enough about them, the Else Callers apparently do interpret the First Ideal in very uh, different ways, shall we say.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, For for them, uh, Journey Before Destination (laughs) is, well it's not so much my journey as our journey and if my journey gets worse and your journeys get better then as a a sum our journeys got better so let's do that
0: right
1: yeah Uh, so so as a note for people who haven't read this plot wise the brandon sanderson is being very sparing with this information there's the the set of oaths that each person has to sw- that each order has to swear is a plot point. He plans to have ten books. Oathbringer was the Bondsmith book. He got all the way up to Bondsmith level three uh, in that book, and uh, he plans to have ten. Oathbringer was eighteen hundred pages, mm-hmm. so uh, he takes a a long time to get to these pieces. There are there are orders that have showed up on screen that we have not gotten a like. We know that they've sworn at least second level or i'm pretty sure that the the else caller on stage yasna has sworn all the way up to fourth level maybe even fifth and we don't know any of their oaths past the first one just straight zero i uh, i
0: I hypothesized some based on the actions of that particular character but i don't think those are really the oaths Uh, yeah I'll, i'll put them in the show notes uh for people who are familiar with the series to share and enjoy uh uh, but yeah I, I, so some yeah, of these some of the 10 orders we're not going to be able to spend a ton of time on um but it also I, I kind of appreciate that because it gives us an opportunity if this is something people found interesting to sort of explore this again uh when we know more about the next set uh and I'd love to have the two of you on again for for that when it comes around 2020 uh, yeah 2020 winter, is when probably we probably winter boat, 2020 late, late we, we 2020. hope yeah yeah, late 2020. That, yeah, That's still 2020. Still technically 2020. Yeah, I mean, he's way better
1: at time timetables than Pat Rothfuss. And, uh, man, he it, Brandon Sanderson said, I'm 20% done with draft one, and I'm going to have this up by the end of 2020. Patrick Rothfuss has taken
2: eight years to not produce well, a third book. Brandon Sanderson so. is like, I'm 20% done with this book, and it'll be out in fall 2020. Oh, also, it's going to be 2,000 pages. He's the guy who's like, yeah, so I wrote yeah. a sequel to the first book and my so, sequel ended up being books two and three.
0: <laughs> yep. True story. So, uh, getting us sort of back on topic, uh, yeah. so we, we talked about the Bondsmiths, the big picture, or the, the big picture, the uniters, the the leaders, the uh, the organizers. We talked about the edge dancers, the people who, who uh, fight for the little guy who try to, to remember and listen and not ignore... Um, people who, you know, these clashes of, of, especially in, in, you look at uh, Infinity War. Edge dancers will look at Infinity War and go, what about all of the other people got snaptured away? Right? It's not just about the heroes we lost. It's about the people everybody lost. Um, There are still more of these heroic archetypes that Sanderson has uh, explored and expounded on. Um, And so... We sort of started with the Bondsmiths. Uh, Steve, you had us move on to the Edge Dancers. Um, I'd like to talk about the, the Lightweavers. Yeah, sure. Uh, if that's cool with you guys. Sure. Because yeah, sure. we don't have any analogs written in the notes, but I think we could find some. Um, so the Lightweavers are a fascinating study to me uh, because their ideas are – or their, their ideals are about – rather than swearing specific oaths they're about finding truth personal truth a deeper understanding of what is true what is uh, is sort of in a philosophical sense so they seem very introspective and yet all of their power their whole move set is about lying to people right it's about misrepresenting reality uh, uh, and i just find that whole thing fascinating
1: i Half of it is about misrepresenting reality. So they have two sets of powers. They have light weaving, the ability to make illusions. And they have soul casting, which is actually changing what something is. And they can change one material into another material.
0: By by convincing it that, no, it really is that other material, kind of. Right. Well, they they bribe it. Uh, Right. They give it storm light. And and they say, you're a
1: stick, but you could be fire." Right. So. And the stick's like, I could be fire. Interesting. And the the thing with um, soul casting is, you really, really have to understand the material, and you have to understand what you're changing it into very well. You have to understand the truth of those objects. Mm -hmm. So that lines up very well with that.
0: Right. Uh, Our sort of on-screen representation of uh, this is a character who's uh, my personal favorite character in the entire. Uh, series because of the complexity of her but she has this sort of she's she's got this sort of deep fragmentation uh, it's called in...
1: disassociative personality disorder
0: correct yes um and so that makes it a little more difficult because she's our representative to sort of pin down what this order is about but i think we can sort of gather it from context clues uh, so, can y'all think of anybody from other heroic media that sort of fall into to this uh, um, box? I floated
2: early the, uh, the idea that uh, probably, I guess, Iron Man 2 would be... Uh, Iron Man 2 Tony Stark would be a
0: Lightweaver. Because it's about finding him right, it's, it's himself? Right, it's how to stop lying. Him to admitting
2: to himself things that are hard to admit to himself. Um, Shalon, your favorite yeah. character, her her second oath was, "I killed my father," which was something that she yep. had disassociated from herself and had to remember and internalize to to become the better person and to become the 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 lightweaver that she was. And and having Tony admit things right. to himself that he didn't want to hear and or like a- even acknowledge I think there's a parallel to be made there
0: um you could also I would could also make the argument that Iron Man 3 Tony Stark uh, could possibly fall under like we were for the same idea uh, because there he's struggling with uh, the aftermath of of uh, the first Avengers movie where he he was dealing with the truth of his own mortality, or except he wasn't really dealing right. with the truth of his own mortality, right? And was sort of running away from everything. Um and so there's this the the heroic archetype here is often used in in our media as a stepping stone, right? For um for a hero where like they they figure it out and they move past it and then they embrace something else. I think it is interesting to think about a hero who this is what they're this is them right this is how they approach being a hero is constantly trying to understand themselves and the world around them in a way that that looks for truth that looks for yeah. what's right
2: uh we floated earlier that tony stark was a bondsmith he's not he's also not a light weaver uh we'll get to that later
0: yeah. right i
1: mean yeah right <laughs> Yeah, I I have a very strong opinion on Tony Stark. I think that he does this the Seeking for Truth. Everybody does the Seeking for Truth. Right. I would contend that in a lot of ways Vision sure. is actually a better lightweaver.
0: Yes. Uh, um, I I yeah. <clears throat> because especially he, like early vision, like if you're looking at um Age of Ultron, when he comes yes. around, he's like his whole mission thesis, his his character thesis is very
1: lightweaver. Yes. Uh he, He's trying to find out who he is, who the world is, and discover the what makes things real and true. And
0: that's that's dead online, I think. Um, another example I just thought of, and I'm very excited about it: uh, Sora from the Kingdom Hearts games, uh, which is fantastic because he is uh, there's this connection to light within the character himself. But Sora is. Uh, has multiple character arcs where he's like lost a piece of his own memory or a piece of himself, and he's constantly trying to rediscover and figure out who he is and what his place in the world is. He's got a much more happy, upbeat attitude than some others, but I think Sora actually does fit under this archetype more than anything else.
1: Yeah, I wish I wish that we had another on-screen Lightweaver to compare, Same. because we we very nearly had one in the and in the. The single biggest <sighs> punch of the Stormlight Archives. You're going to uh, make me cry again, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, w- uh, Elokar El- would have been a Lightweaver. We know he would have been a Lightweaver. He would have said his first truth as, I am a bad king. But he literally, in the climactic point where the- he could have used his powers to save his home city, got murdered so um i would have loved to see him on stage as a late weaver i would have loved to see him progress
0: and not even murdered but straight up punked Uh, i mean yeah good good dramatic moment right like i'm not faulting the writing i think it was very very powerful but like it it's brandon sanderson tries to betray expectations
1: uh, not betray defy expectations uh like a lot of authors do every once in a while he i feel betrayed by him, like, uh, in the Wax and Wayne books, mm-hmm. I was very, very angry, and saw oh, Steve yeah. at the end of uh, Shadows of Self, uh, where he... Shh. That's right. by then you'll have forgotten.
0: Eventually, so, Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, That's, uh, you're you're uh, not wrong. I'm, I'm giving you no details, except I was really angry at the end of that book. Um, okay. Steve called me. I did. said, you finished this right. <laughs> and, and I said, yeah. And I said, yes? And he says, the fuck was that? And I said, <laughs> I did. It was. Know, it was like right? middle of the night. <laughs> so this is I mean, another
0: reason I want
1: – Yeah, you it, it, like I had. To, it, it was wasn't just you. Seaton did the same thing to me the day before that. Uh, but so like, but so Brandon Sanderson wanted the character to progress to the point where you wanted him to be a knight. He's being so much better. He yep. like you hate mm-hmm. him in the first two books. He's terrible. And right. then he gets better
0: and he's trying and he's getting better and he's growing and he goes to swear the oaths. And then and you, you and you see it and you like the, the, the narrative says that like some stormlight starts crawling up around him and you're like, Oh my God, this and moment says, is so awesome. And yeah, then he just, just
1: like yeah. before death strength before weakness, before weakness. And then Moash shows up and just ends him. You're There's like, some subreddits but...
2: uh, regarding this scene. I'm sure <laughs> I, I can convince Jacob to link them in the show notes. Yeah. there. Yep, absolutely. Uh, if you send uh, me the link, it's not absolutely. a hard one to guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but make the, make it minimal effort for me, the, and then the, I will make that, it minimal effort for yeah. Matthew, and then Matthew will put it in the show notes. <laughs> uh,
1: that, that's my side. Like, there, there's not a lot of light weavers, and there's also I feel like there's there's a lot of heroes who take some time in the Lightweaver sphere, yep. but there's not a lot that actually spend their whole time searching for for actual honest to goodness truth because it's most years are about punching people and it like it, it is very intros.
0: Stories. Yeah. It's a very introspective uh, character archetype. And so you sort of have to build your character with the understanding that there are that uh, this is a character who embraces the idea that the quest for truth may never be done right in order to have somebody who can have full arcs of this and still be in this category. Um so like and that's why I mentioned earlier that it seems like more of a stepping stone for characters in our in our media, like we said certain movies with tony stark he you can sort of categorize him here, but broadly speaking that's not where the character is um so and, and you know you can talk about uh truth as you know well what's what's bad about truth i mean superman fights for truth right truth's a good thing um but there is, obviously, just like with all of these other uh, orders, there can be some flaws to this particular approach to being a hero. Uh, one of which is just being so introspective that you don't, it's similar to what we were talking about with Edge Dancers. You don't end up being right. right? right? Uh, or you end up yeah. boxed in your own head too often, uh, which does, in fact, happen to Shallan, uh the character in in Stormlight Archives where sometimes uh, she's needed at a critical moment and she's busy sort of trying to uh, sort in her own head who she is and what she can do. Um, although, by the end of Words of Radiance, she's just fantastic. And then uh, she breaks. <laughs> uh, well... <laughs> <laughs> oh I, Yeah, she, she's going to break more times, but that's fine. She gets better the, every time.
1: Oh, I, I'm not convinced that's true. There's... There are definitely rereading Oathbringer. There were, recently, there were a couple of scenes where she a has conversations with herself, b has conversations with other people, and the the um, the, it, it, the the name that is used to describe her changes repeatedly through these mm-hmm. conversations uh, mm-hmm. because she has made up disassociative chunks of her personality to handle different things.
0: Yep, um, and. Uh, yeah it's she's she's eventually going to admit the truth to herself that they are all her and yes. it'll be great but that, like that's, that's
1: that'll be that'll be, be how she gets her um shard plate i'm pretty
0: sure is... and so this is yeah is is that um and this is one of the reasons i i like this uh archetype i like the Lightweavers so much is because it's very unique you don't often see characters that are that are written this way like that is their whole that's their whole thing right is is finding themselves and that's the source of their power um uh, that's the source of their their quest and how they engage with being a hero yeah i
1: so thinking about it actually um you could you could say the black widow sure. in the marvel I like movies
0: is also this way <sighs> mm, she's got red hair too you definitely could yeah because it because well, yes. <laughs> not that not that that's a prerequisite right uh, but she
1: but, she yeah. she admits things repeatedly right. and it it progresses how she interacts with people and progresses how she serves as a hero because she'll she'll th- say things like Bruce I'm sterile too or mm-hmm. these these truths that she doesn't want to it, it doesn't want to
0: admit that she when she admits she becomes stronger so mm-hmm. Or that, and there's that, uh, and Matthew and I talked about this for a while. I don't want to get too far into it because the internet is uh, very opinionated, very strongly opinionated about this scene. But the the idea that she considers herself to be a monster, which I don't agree with, uh, and I think most people don't agree that that uh, that whole thing is is right. But admitting to herself that that's her own vision is part of her part of her story, part of her quest. Correct. Um, no you, you've both there. Seen Endgame, right? Uh, okay i am very upset with how uh her death aftermath was handled uh in contrast to tony stark's but um because i thought that one of the things i really liked about her character was that uh she was somebody who was introspective that had that had found a way to sort of uh deal with themselves and then in that moment like still being somewhat suicidal like that happened and then we didn't treat it I felt like we didn't treat it with the level of gravitas we really wanted to, or we really needed to, but, um, but interestingly, uh, Black Widow, also very good at lying, also very good at, at, uh, manipulating, and, Mm -hmm.
1: because she understands truth, and that's the other thing that Lightweavers do, is they, they can, they can lie to you by telling you the truth, right? Uh, yep. Because they understand truth very, very well.
0: Okay. Uh, anything else we want to talk about on the Lightweavers? I think we're I think we're doing pretty well on this. We have got a couple more that we've got a lot of information on that I want to make sure yeah, we get. Yeah. The, um, the, the other
1: big two, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. For for sure, Skybreakers and Windrunners. We have like yes. if we didn't talk about the Windrunners, uh, anybody who had read the books would be rioting in the streets. Uh, and similarly, we have so much about the Skybreakers that we could talk about. Well, let's let's yes. say Windrunners for last because um, I, I can it, talk I for hours on Windrunners. One. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Fair. Uh, I'm really fond of the Skybreakers as a as an archetype. Um, so because I've had both of you sort of introduce or did I introduce the Lightweavers? It doesn't really sure. matter. I think Steve's um, been introducing all of them, actually, which has been good. OK. Yeah. If you want to talk about what what are the Skybreakers about? Obviously, they they're the people who jump up into the air and they poke at the atmosphere and they break it and then they bring CO2 in. Right. Yeah, Those that's not prospect. it at all. That's what the skybreakers do. Uh, they
2: can they can fly though. <laughs> they can right. fly. Well, I was close though, right? <laughs> um, they're they're basically they can fly super paladins. Um, well, kind of super paladins. Their ideals are about uh, strictly law. Um, they're the law mages. Their ideals their their second ideal after the life before death ideals is uh, that they will put the law before all else. Rob, do you remember what they actually call their ideals? They don't call them ideals, they call them something else.
1: Oh, um, they... uh, They they line them up to... They call them particular things. Um, They... That is a good question. Because they call them the ideal of radiance. The ideal of radiance, the first one. They call it the ideal of justice, the ideal of dedication, and then the ideal of crusade. Uh, But you're right, they did have another...
2: Uh, Yeah, the ideal of justice is um i will put the law before all else uh and that's how that's the general form and then the the specific way that we see, see Seth state his is i swear to seek justice to let it guide me until i find a right. more perfect ideal and then they have a a third ideal uh which is to swear a specific oath uh to dedicate yourself to a greater truth um, and the way that we see Seth swear this one is, I swear to follow the will of Dalinar Colon, this is my oath. Um, and so first they swear to themselves to the law, and will follow the laws of wherever they are, To uh, almost to a fault. Um, we see a, a skybreaker walking around, uh, hunting fledgling radiance, actually. Uh, but he can't kill them because they're radiant. He has to find a specific reason that they broke the law that warrants them dying. Uh, and he goes through a lot of pains to actually follow local laws and and get the right warrants and such so that he can execute these people. Yeah,
1: he, he gets to the point where he's sworn in as a special constable by kings of different regions and has full writs and shows up, right, with, right. you know, I'm allowed to execute people arbitrarily. And they're like, what? What?
2: Yeah, <laughs> but, never but seen I'm a this. cobbler. Like,
1: mm. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know, I've, I've spent my whole life like serving the poor and giving people free shoes. And he's like, "Yeah, you got those are the devil's
0: fight. shoes."
1: No, you got in a drunken bar fight when you were 18, and you accidentally glassed a dude and killed him. He's like, "Yeah, right. I've spent my whole life making up for that.
2: I'm 55." He's like, <laughs> "Dead." <laughs> uh, and then. Yeah, and then the third ideal is to swear a dedication oath uh, to a, a greater truth. Sometimes that's a code. Sometimes that's a person. Um, and and that for Zeth was to follow Dalinar, right. and let Dalinar so the, be his law.
0: Yeah the the ideal the the, the Skybreakers have this sort of code codified or law based approach to being a hero. Um, so obviously the the major analogs right are your 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 cop heroes or your soldier heroes uh like misty knight from blue cage or war machine as we as we were initially talking about um people who are they're tied to a particular regimented set of rules uh and they they sort of engage with all of their heroic activity in that context uh, but it's not always right. The skybreakers aren't always, you know, the laws of the land per se, right? Because they can have, as as you point out, they can have a code or they can swear to a particular system of laws that they think is right. Um, and unfortunately the only analog I could think to that one was Punisher. Uh, I'm not particularly fond of Punisher as a character, but he is somebody who all the characters in the show will tell you he has a code Uh, and you believe that because the character said it and why would the character say it if it wasn't true? Um, (laughs) have opinions. There's a lot of, there's
1: a lot of analog in like Wild West sheriffs who Mm. they, they will have a, they will have a set of code. They will have a set of codes. They'll have a set of laws. Uh, and they, or somebody like Captain Mal Reynolds, uh, not quite perfect, but he, if I if I'm gonna shoot you, you'll be facing me, and you'll have a gun in your hand.
0: Yeah, right. Mal Reynolds actually a pretty good Skybreaker example for that one line, although he's not actually a Skybreaker. No, he's not a Skybreaker. But is <laughs> somebody
1: right. like in the DC animated universe, Captain Adam? Um, he, yeah. When he shows up at different locations, he he follows the laws of the local things. He gets invited in by local people to to solve their problems. And he gets, like, he still has a dormant commission in the U.S. Air Force, right? right. And so he he's like, hey, here's the deal. Uh, there's this external thing that the Segovia Accords in, um, in Civil War are really about making everybody into skybreakers. Making, the, you're beholden to external laws to apply your powers. Right. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's the, the skybreaker ethos is basically, my judgment will sometimes be wrong and so i would rather have a, a rather have a, a code of external laws that i can follow that will be that will be absolutely true and right and uh, i don't have to rely on my judgment sometimes i will i will let somebody off who begs for mercy well, there is no mercy because there are rules if you want mercy set it up would have mercy in the system
2: so the, the fourth ideal of the skybreakers is to go on a quest but the fifth ideal is I am the law. Uh d- does that make Captain America?
0: Uh, no. A fifth ideal uh, it does make Judge Dredd. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god, that couldn't have been better if we had planned it. Uh yep. that was completely off the cuff. But yeah. Uh J- Judge Dredd for sure fits in that archetype and it's an- interesting because all uh, the Skybreakers we been presented thus far I wouldn't really call all of them heroes especially in the hail uh in, in... well okay so the the thing is though that they
1: that in a lot of ways they have restraint uh that that's their big guiding principle is the restraint mm-hmm. right? The, right the the skybreakers in the in the story are the only order di- that didn't disband during the Recreants. right when the when the rest of the orders all gave up their oaths and said you know what we think it's more dangerous to keep to these and they said, no, we, we've been pretty good about following laws and not over overusing or overdoing our powers. You can all withdraw. You can all disband orders. You can all set down your shard blades. We will continue to uphold the law. And right. they've managed to not destroy the world as the only order of Knights Radiant that's existed for a thousand years. How long has it been since
2: the... Uh, they call it a thousand years, but that's apocryphal because they have lost records between now and then, and they don't actually know how long.
1: But right. yeah, a long time. Yeah, so so at least a millennia. They've been the only order of knights radiant, and nobody else even knows they exist. They've just been running around and you know sorting things out and uh, doing things you know to, mm-hmm. to enhance and enforce the laws of the land. Uh, they when they're training Zeth, they they bring them in and they say, "All right, uh, we have a bunch of escaped murderers from this prison. Everybody, go hunt them down as part of your training." And Zeth stops and he goes, "Why did they escape?" Did, the And they're like, I found one and he's a, he's a bum that isn't like, he just wanted to see sunlight. And he has a knife that he made in prison and he's a dirty hobo that is underfed. Do you have a warrant for the dude that was holding them in prison? Yeah, it was the first warrant we got. Well, why didn't you deal with him putting together a bad prison and mismanaging it? And they go, the local laws said that he was allowed to do as he wished. Until he failed at his duty, there was he wasn't doing anything illegal,
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> which isn't wrong mm-hmm. because if the local if the locals cared enough about it, they could have they could have resolved it on a on a local law level, right? They could have gone in and you know his high prince could have removed him and replaced him with a different person who would have been better to his the people that he was holding in prison.
0: In- so the, the the skybreakers are sort of the logical extension behind the drum that Matthew and I occasionally bang on in this podcast about heroes needing oversight, heroes needing to to uh, sort of attach themselves to something like the Sokovia Accords or whatever. But they're also a cautionary tale in how that can prevent a hero from doing something that we want them to be able to do. Right. Right. So if you if right. Yeah. The they
1: you would want a a real hero to stand up to the guy who is keeping his prisoners in starvation conditions in order to make more money off of you know holding prisoners because that's
0: the, despicable yeah but the the democratic laws of the land have said that this is how he's allowed to do this and so a skybreaker does can't do anything about it Right, that's not what they're supposed to, be. unless unless they're at the point where they've dedicated themselves to a, a code or a person they believe has a superior ideology or, or system of ethics, and yeah. then maybe.
1: And well, they they won't say that they they won't fail to bring up problems with the laws. They'll bring up problems with them. But if right. whoever's running the legal system says we're we're not going to change it uh, for whatever reason, they they won't disobey them.
2: And and even. Uh, uh, of the fifth ideal where I am the law, Nail swore that ideal a long time ago, and he was still seeking out reasons to, to kill these Radiants. He didn't unilaterally make it yeah. illegal to be a Radiant, he just went out of his way to find other reasons is,
0: to kill these people. It's possibly because Nail is uh, very broken? uh and uh, like, Yeah, he's, I, a,
1: he's a herald, and um, they're yeah. all... They're all t- he thinks that he is one of the least sane, but he can form coherent sentences. Yes. Right. Other
0: ones cannot. Right. Uh, but it, so part of it could be that he's, he's broken to the point where he has to go through his ideals as if they were a script. And he's a program running them. Right. In order to check the boxes and then go, okay, cool. I'm the law. I can go. But if he fails at the first pass, he goes, nope, error. I am error. I'm not the law. I'm error. I live in a Legend of Zelda game uh so obviously the I've already think pointed out the the one of the most obvious problems with the skybreaker ideals being that you know if if the rulebook book doesn't say you can do you can be a a hero and do the hero thing, you can't do the hero thing um and that's not always great. But is there anything else examining sort of the the skybreaker ideology and the characters that fall, we think, fit into this box that we think is sort of a problem for heroes of this type?
2: Um, The skybreakers are also Mm. self-selecting. You can't just spontaneously become a skybreaker. They have to, uh, they have this whole initiation process and And they they recruit recruit you. you? Uh, Seth specifically was recruited. Uh, by Nail, yep. but they, uh, it, when Nail recruited him, he said we watched you destroy yourself in the name of order, and you followed a personal code when others would have fled or crumbled uh, I watched you keep your word of perfection, and you've basically been a skybreaker this whole time but how would you like to be a skybreaker?
0: And so that that's fascinating to me, because basically they if they can only uh, become these types of heroes through active recruitment then there's a selection bias, right? From from potentially making the order better over time, or, or introducing change and improvement. It, it, there's a a real risk of of stasis over time.
1: There there's also so there's there's a couple structural problems as well. So their spren don't communicate to them. Um, all the other spren, which are as we mentioned are the like, they're the they're the. The thing to which you strive to be, They're, you know, the the Windrunners have honor Spren, for instance. Uh, when we get to that, the the uh, the Cryptics are the Spren for the Lightweavers. Uh, the Cryptics feed on lies, and like tr- like that's that's their nature. The High Spren don't ever talk to the Skybreakers. They just show up bond you and then wink at you, basically. And. Oh, 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 oh they're like yeah we think that you're doing good i guess what how, how, there's no they're the, they're about law and order
0: and they don't get any instructions on how to even fulfill these right the, the only mm-hmm. guidance they have is the guidance that other people of the order provide right and they okay. like like outside the order like
1: the skybreakers in general have no room for mercy right right it, even when we look at uh, so if we look at it in the real world, when you look at how judges deal with um, with cases, there's the they go through, they determine whether or not somebody's guilty or innocent based on you know facts, and then they have the sentencing at the end. The skybreakers would just follow a: did you commit this crime? You serve this amount of time. There's no mitigating circumstances. There's there's nothing there's no they wouldn't ever give you probation or time served they wouldn't go down or up they would say uh you you Jean Valjean uh, so Javert is Javert, is sca- yeah. Javert is definitely a skybreaker skybreaker Yeah. Yep,
0: you stole 100%. a loaf of
1: bread to feed your starving family 17 years in a chain gang yep. you go this five is five years for what he did and the rest because he tried to run <laughs> I know I, I've seen they is <laughs> more than a couple times but like <laughs> But the but five years for stealing a loaf of
0: bread is right. even excessive, right? Well, at the but, end of the day, you get nothing for nothing,
1: <laughs> right? Uh, but the but the but the 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 point being is, in the real world, the you can have mercy, you can deviate. There are guidelines, and judges hate them. Uh, if there's mandatory minimums and mandatory maximums, judges judges hate that, uh, and because they that takes away their ability to actually look at situations and use their, their finely honed skill of judgment. Skybreakers
0: don't have any judgment. right? They're, uh, they're, yeah. And so that, that, yeah, absolutely, that's a real problem. If if, uh, if a hero cannot, uh, is so tied to the prescribed remedy for a particular thing that they're not allowed to use their own judgment in a situation where it doesn't really apply, right, then... Uh, they're going to take actions that we don't necessarily agree with because we as human beings understand the world to be nuanced, right? Uh, At least most of the time we understand the world to be nuanced. Um, And sort of something I intended to do, and I did it with uh, Bondsmiths and forgot to for the rest. uh, I kind of wanted to circle back. We, we came up with a lot of heroic examples. Um, I also think there are many villains throughout fiction that would have would also uh, come into these different uh, orders, and uh, the reason why I just uh, the reason why I just brought it up is because uh, Rob reminded me by bringing up Javert. Uh, it was Rob who brought up Javert, right? Not not Steve. I'm sorry. I want, okay, I didn't want to credit the wrong person. Um, but yeah, like I think for all of these, uh, I think we could think of an example of a, of a villain who's. Uh, Loki is the first one that comes to mind for Lightweaver, and I'm not sure it quite fits. Um but it like, kind of does though. It, it kind of does. Right. Um and I I would argue that Killmonger could be could fit into the edge dancer order, uh, because of who he's trying to serve, right? Um because of what he's trying to do. Like Killmonger's whole thing is he wants to get the he wants to take over um Wakanda to to share the technology with the areas of the world that have been oppressed and and lift up the oppressed right that's listening to those who've been ignored and like when he goes to die he has that line that you quoted in uh in one of the chats where we were talking Rob about um wanting to be uh oh, I forget it it's it's about uh uh being buried at sea where uh, his ancestors had been uh, moved on boats or something to that effect. I'm sorry, everybody who has committed that quote to heart. It's a beautiful quote, and I do not remember it off the top of my head. Um, But I I think it's fascinating that for each of these orders, we can turn it into the the same set of ideals, but slot it into somebody who doesn't take actions we consider heroic because we disagree with what they're doing. Um but you could still make an argument that they, they fit in that order. Yes.
1: But I I actually um I proposed two face as a skybreaker. Um because very good. Yeah. Because he, he doesn't trust his own judgment. If his coin says to kill you, he will kill you. If his coin says to save you, he will save you. He's he's a lunatic for trusting a coin to judge people, but it's an external it's an external thing because he doesn't trust his own judgment on it he's and he's like his his plan is to do evil basically he he's a mobster in a lot of the batman things but in the in the dark knight he he's a hero right Mm -hmm. that that's i mean yes before he gets yeah right he starts as a district attorney who follows the law and he ends
2: as a villainous murderer who won't kill you. If Wait, does he bad. swear this the, the next ideal during the movie and we just don't see it? Uh, actually, we do see
0: it. <laughs> I mean, we, we see him yeah. get the coin. All right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so he dedicates himself to uh, a code. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Flipping a coin to
2: determine uh, So he, d- to he
0: becomes a third ideal skybreaker in. Uh, when the, the Joker hands
2: him a coin. I like it. Yep.
0: Yep. Yes. Uh, the Joker being his uh, friend. <laughs> uh, let's not. <laughs>
2: that's not.
0: Well, huh? Yeah. Well, we could. We could. That. That's a discussion that uh, could go down a rabbit hole. Uh yes. Like Alice in Wonderland, which I don't think uh, applies to this either. Um. So we've got one more order to talk about. Anything more we're going to talk about on the Skybreakers, or because I'm sort of shoehorning it in. After forgetting it, villains that we think fit in the other orders we've talked about, and why? Are there else caller villains? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Thanos. Yeah, I think.
2: Well, we did talk quite a bit about uh, villains being in other orders of Knights Radiant, but the Skybreakers were originally presented as villains, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, in yeah. the books, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe yeah, yeah.
2: heroes that are Skybreakers, because awesome. so far we've got Punisher and uh two-face
0: uh misty knight still a hero uh eventually for and uh eventually forms a duo with uh colleen wing um so that's a i think that's an angle that could be pursued um obviously war machine and captain adam we talked about um as heroes that sort of hit the skybreaker mold um i'm trying to think of ones from non mcu non dc um because they, like this kind of of you know cop based hero exists in in a couple of different forms. I could think of like, uh oh, what's her name from Legend of Korra? She's the chief of police. I can see her face. Uh, I'm not gonna come up with it right now because it's been too long. But um, she's it's again like it she's a cop. I'm I'm having a hard time thinking of ones that aren't cops or soldiers. Uh, they this, have to exist.
1: Well, that's that's the thing is that they that's where they gravitate, right? If you right. want some oversight on your powers, that's what you do is you sign up to be a a government superhero, right? And so when you look at at Watchmen, for instance, uh, they they assign the the superhero order and they sign uh, Doctor Manhattan could very well be a skybreaker. He signs it to be a government superhero to do things at the government's will only.
0: Right. Lin Beifong. Sorry. That's the name of the character. Lin Beifong. Uh, she's a, yeah, but yeah, exactly. The, the most of the time we're going to find skybreaker heroes who are people who have, uh, signed themselves up to adhere to a particular system or order. Right. Or, or, or code of ethics or code of conduct. Um, and so
1: what you end up like movies structurally are more exciting if you have have a renegade as the hero because they get to be a loose cannon and do whatever they want right
0: right like Riggs and murtaugh are neither one of them skybreakers uh because they're cops who end up having to do not quite cop things in order to get the bad guys um, Riggs and Murtaugh being the lethal weapon characters if I'm somehow yes. losing you guys on... Okay, cool. I, I needed um, context. It was good. It, it took me a second, but I got <laughs> Okay, <that>. good. <laughs> got yeah. yeah, sorry. Not everybody follows my brain. Um, but yeah, like, you're right that it, it often is the case that the... We end up with heroes that are cops or soldiers that are playing foil to our footloose, fancy-free protagonist-type person um and so or footloose fancy free is is a bit reductive and wrong but like somebody who's not willing to let the law tell them someone like steve rogers is not willing to let the law tell them what right and wrong are uh necessarily
1: uh which which is why i I really like war machine as a skybreaker because when you compare him to tony stark um war machine says look the the president gave me a lawful order to do this thing and so i'm going to go do it And so, and he, when they, they bring up the Segovia Accords, he's like the first person on board. He's like, yeah, this is what I've been about the whole time. Why aren't we being a special ops unit that serves at the pleasure of, of the government?
0: Like that lets us retire. That lets us hand this shit off. Right. Um, I, I could make an argument, um, that of the Star Trek captains, uh, Picard is the closest to being a skybreaker. Uh, because Picard really, really, really doesn't want to deviate from the Prime Directive, right? And he's the—I feel like of the Star Trek captains, he's the one that is the most adherent to it, the one who who lets himself be chained to it the most. He um, doesn't quite fit, although he is a lot more—he's a person with a code. I think he fits that mold. I'm—I'm like I'm not thinking of a better order to put Captain Picard in than Skybreaker. Um which is uh, good because that's somebody I consider completely heroic. What'd you say? I'm yeah, sorry. He's a bondsmith Oh, sure, because he's a but Right. But no,
1: just it's just like in terms of like he like he doesn't feel the need to go out and necessarily do stuff, right? Right. Instead he builds a team, builds them up, and unites them and welds groups of people together, right? uh and like when you look at it and if you look at next gen he doesn't go on away missions right he's got a he's got a wind runner for that
0: and maybe this is why when we see uh quote hero unquote uh skybreakers, they're more like Punisher um where they they don't they have their own like code and ideology, but it's not. You know they're doing things because uh, they've decided they're wrong. That that this is right and this is wrong, um, but it's not a you know th- there's a discipline there, but it's not um, necessarily something we agree with. Sure. Uh, yeah, we, sure. Let's go talk about
2: Windrunner.
0: All right, uh, lead so, us in. Yeah. Uh, so is, Windrunner's uh,
2: the main protagonist of the first book, uh, who has also been a a protagonist of the second and third books. His name is Khaled and he is a windrunner. He swore the first ideal, the light before death ideal, uh, actually on screen. And then he also swore the second and third ideal of the windrunners, which are that I will protect those who cannot protect themselves. And I will protect those who I hate so long as it is right. There's a variation on that. We do see a second windrunner swear that third ideal on screen uh, and his is, I will protect those I hate, even if the one I hate most is myself. Um, that gives us a little bit of a nuance into the the Windrunner mindset. Um, and th- so they're all about protecting. And, and Rob has brought up, and I agree with him, that this is really where Tony Stark belongs.
1: Yeah. that Tony Stark is... He wants to put a suit of armor around the world, right? And in Iron Man 3... The like pretty early on in the movie, he throws his suit at Pepper Potts to catch and save her, which is like while his house is blowing up. Uh, mm-hmm. it that's a that's a windrunner play, there of you know, <laughs> I got you, it's the only tool that I have to save you, and it doesn't save me, but it
0: saves you. Mm-hmm. So uh, the windrunners are very much your um. I don't want to say baseline hero because that makes it sound like they're, they're not special and they absolutely are, but they're what I think of when I think of a superhero first and foremost, right? People like Superman, right? People who their central tenant, their, the, their mission statement uh, to being a hero is I'm going to protect people. And I'm especially going to protect people who are vulnerable, to things that i am not vulnerable to or or that i can protect right uh we see kaladin doing this with uh people who don't want anything to do with him at first that he forms solidarity with out of sheer stubbornness uh kaladin's a great character too um but like we see him sort of adopt people as his own but unlike a bondsmith who you know would focus on leading them as a team uh Kaladin's focus and the Windrunner focus is about
2: protecting, uh, and, and most specifically about protecting individuals. We talked a little bit about the Else Collars and how they are uh, more about the collective. Um, are the Borg Else Collars?
0: <laughs> oh, you know, we don't we don't know for sure because we don't know enough about the Else Collars. But that is entirely possible that uh, the Borg's whole well, it's it's good for the whole to assimilate, so why don't you want to do that? Um, I don't understand. I'm
2: making uh, you better. Yeah, so the, the Callers are all about uh, the the group, and the Windrunners are more about the individual. There's a, a series of individuals that, that Kaladin uh, tries to save and, and is mostly unsuccessful at, but through mostly no fault of his own. Uh, but the the individual is what really sets them apart from or protecting the individual is what sets them apart from other orders.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's something that is very, you know, it's very easy to connect with that. Right. Uh, We see it again in, in a lot of different heroes in, in media that their whole thing is, um, you know, I, I decided to take on this mantle. I became whomever uh, because I saw, people getting hurt and i didn't want that to happen and i saw that i could do something so i started doing something uh tony stark saw the world sort of falling apart around him and he's like i'm gonna put on a really cool technological suit and stop it uh and then you know as the uh movies progressed uh went on to do more and more until ultimately making the his final sacrifice in endgame uh final being very intentional language there um also a very windrunner play to put on the infinity gauntlet and go nope uh i know this is going to kill me but this protects everybody else so
1: well and also his decision
0: in endgame was i can't give up the
1: things that i've earned i must protect mm-hmm. my daughter right yeah he he wouldn't let them he wouldn't let them rewrite time back five years because he needed to protect the things that had already
0: happened right right yeah and for a portion of age of ultron uh and this is sort of where the windrunner ideology can develop problems uh for a portion of it at least tony kind of wanted to see if we could we could protect and fix ultron right there was a part of tony stark that was all like well this is this is kind of like my kid in a way and i want to try to fix it uh it didn't work out that way um but because of that i feel like he was you know that that's a case where the windrunner ideology can cause you to not make the the sort of big picture decisions that are necessary for uh for making the greater good
1: right and i would also contend that windrunners have the problem of sometimes they will protect you when you don't need to be protected uh like they you you can't grow if you don't get right. hurt right mm
2: mm-hmm. mhm
1: and so there's there's a lot of wind runners. Um, we you call out Superman in this, right? In your in your other Windrunners. runners, Superman in a lot of iterations is a wind runner, but he he caps what you need to grow into. If Superman's around, he protects you from everything, right? right? You don't you don't need to grow. You don't need to you don't need to be more. You don't need to strive for more because you have Superman protecting you from the things that
2: that would hurt you. Well, and that plays into a lot of superheroes. Um, the like Batman, he does a lot for Gotham City. Uh, I don't know if you watched Gotham when it was on TV, but he did a lot for Gotham City, uh, even before he was Batman, according to that iteration. And he did so much so that the the Gotham PD uh, grew lax. And while he was protecting Gotham, he was actively hurting their their police department
0: yeah it, it there's that wonderful line from uh, the graphic novel red sun uh that uh we we talked about on on this podcast uh some number of episodes ago uh that lex luther writes on a little note to superman uh why don't you just put the whole world in a bottle right and it's this idea that if you are making it your mission statement to protect everybody. And you have so much better agency to, to help save them from the dangers around them that they never develop the ability to take care of themselves. It's the, it's the over nurturing problem, right? It's the not willing to let, let your children go and not willing to let the birds fly out of the nest type type.
1: Right. And the, like it's the the protection sounds good, but you, in order for in order for bushes to grow in the right way, you need to prune them, which hurts them. In order for for children to, you know, learn right from wrong, you actually need to discipline them, which is, I mean, you, you shouldn't be spanking your kids, but you do need to you do need to hurt them on some levels so they have a, avoidance. You. Whether that's putting them in time out, you know, make them realize this is wrong because it's something they don't want to do. If you want to train a dog, you rub their nose in their in their mess, right? And that's
0: yeah. And so I have my own hypo because of this. Uh, it's a very obvious. Like we're we're sort of dunking on the Windrunners, even though they're you know a very one of the very uh, heroic orders. One of the ones that's the most obviously heroic, uh, in my opinion. Um, but I think I have a theory about the um, the the later ideals because uh, we don't have them technically yet, um, and I think one of them may end up being something to the effect of sometimes the best way to protect people is to let them get hurt so they can protect sure. themselves.
1: Right. It, it's certain that the that the next ideal is right. about when not something
2: to protect about... people. Something Reds. about either letting them yeah, because... learn to protect themselves, or even admitting to themselves, to the the windrunner, admitting to themselves that they can't protect everyone.
0: Right, right. Which is a uh, a flaw that many heroes uh, that are of this particular mindset have. Superman is the best example, I think, because in many iterations of Superman, he can, in fact, like he can go back in time and all this other stupid nonsense. But um, when he actually has like reasonable limits he has to sort of concede that sometimes he can't get there in time and he agonizes over it, right? And that can cause you to sabotage yourself if you go, well, if I fail once, then it's like I wasn't there at all. Well, that's clearly not yeah. true.
2: Um, what other heroes have we seen that had to cope with a failure uh like that?
0: So i mean I, I have in here as a as a wind runner example ang from avatar the last airbender uh who did who's had multiple instances of this, but like his his sort of f- formational his foundational one was when he learned that he was the avatar and he chose to abandon the world and run away rather than uh embrace his role as somebody who's supposed to help unify and and protect everybody um and so that's a pretty big failing, and he sees it as the uh, as the reason why one of the nations conquered everybody else because he wasn't around to, to to stop it, right? And a bunch of his people, uh, the the air nomads, were completely wiped out as a result of this. And so Aang has to deal with the the time that he ran away and didn't protect everybody and didn't follow his his ideal. Um, there's a a devastating outcome of that. Uh, And he sort of wrestles with it throughout that. I know we've kind
2: of been trying to stay a little bit further away from magic, the gathering, uh, but how about, how about Jace, the living on Ravnica when he's off doing other stuff, he kind of, I mean, he's he's not a wind runner there,
1: but he's not a wind runner.
0: Right. (laughs) Right. Although you could, so, fascinatingly uh in ixalan right after he gets his sort of reset uh and sort of redevelops as a character that i like way more um he's far more charming among other things um he sort of leans a little bit more in that direction but he's not cognizant of many of his own failures uh i think i think jace is a good example of a character who's had to confront that sort of abandonment but I don't think he, I, th- I think Rob's right that he doesn't really confront it or doesn't process it in the way that a windrunner would.
1: Yeah, I think that Elspeth is actually the best example, uh, because A, she is a windrunner, and B, she comes from Phyrexia, and so she had to abandon, She couldn't. she couldn't save them there. She had to leave. She didn't have the capability when she was young. And so then later she she overcommits when she's trying to save everybody on Theros, which uh is her overcompensating overcompensating for her not
0: being Man, able to Elspeth save goes them into the all.
2: sky, has a shard spear and stabs a god.
0: Elspeth. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That definitely all happens. Uh so Magic the Gathering yeah. slash Stormlight Archive, they're basically the same universe, right? Yeah. I, I dig mean, it. Uh, I mean, you're not wrong. Uh, Johnny's a bondsmith, right? Yeah, hundred percent. In fact, one of his cards has the name Bond, or the word Bond in it. Um yep. So, uh, but but that brings up an interesting. Uh, I uh, thought that I hadn't had prior to getting into this. Do is there a predisposition in the Windrunner heroic archetype towards self-sacrifice? Because we've brought up two examples now: uh, Tony Stark, Elspeth, of people who've made the final sacrifice in order to fulfill their I feel
2: like I feel like there is um yeah they're protecting others uh as their primary and protecting the self as so far the only oath that I see about protecting myself is only because he already hates himself
0: right in teft and that's specific to that character and that's more about like he he can't function mm-hmm. unless he he goes through. Well, with he's that, a he's a non functioning right? <laughs> drug addict who um, uh,
2: admits to himself that he has to be yeah. a functioning member of the Windrunner Order if he's going to protect anyone else.
0: Right, and that means he has to protect himself from himself. Right, yes. right, yeah, which is very beautiful uh, in a way. But uh... man, a Teft a Teft might be my actual favorite
1: arc in. In Oathbreaker. And, like, Adolin's my favorite character, and Adolin actually develops a bunch in that book, and Teft is Teft gets such a tiny little fraction of screen
0: time, and every scene with him is perfect. Right, so for for people who don't know about the books, Teft is sort of this character who, as as Steve uh, put it very well, is a non-functioning drug addict, and he's sort of gotten into that because he was in a bad way, uh at a point in his life as many of these people were where they were uh cannon fodder i think a charitable way to describe how they were being treated um they they were shock troops
1: without weapons or armor
0: their point was yeah their point was to die if anybody remembers the previous episode recorded about the bridge crews we talked about the bridge crews yet these people's entire purpose was to die on the front lines so that the uh, effect the the more effective trained troops can get in and do their work. And the Teft was Teft
1: fell into the bridge crews because of his non functioning drug addiction. He he was like a real functional person, and then you know went went to the the in world equivalent of opium dens too many times and lost everything and got sent there as a you know. You're still a soldier. We're going to send you to the worst, like highest mortality unit. And he he hates himself, and he can't function. He's one of those he's one of those people that can't it doesn't even have a baseline functioning if he isn't isn't doing his. It's fire moss in that world, but it's opium. Like right. if if he if he doesn't have his his dose, he he doesn't function at all. And so he. He can get by for a while, like he he goes cold tur- cold turkey when he's in the bridge crew because he doesn't have any money. But he, when bridge four starts doing awesome relevant things later on, he's the sergeant. He's the one with the, with the actual soldiering experience. Like he's the one who trains everybody else, and he gets in such a bad way where he that he sells his uniform, which somebody mm-hmm. uses to kill a bunch of members of bridge four,
2: yep. which is which is not great. Um, nope. So we've talked a little bit about how Teft was broken, um, and we talked about how Shallan was broken uh, with her disassociative personality disorders. Um, Kaladin, the other example of Windrunners, suffers from depression. Uh, Lift, uh, our edge dancer, is also broken, and as is Delinar, our bondsmith. Uh, so a common thread running through all of our Knights Radiant is that they are broken in some way. Uh, how does that translate to other heroes?
0: Well, for I think that it's a it's a realistic take on um on heroics in general is that you don't decide like you see this I'm trying to remember there was a really good uh example of this uh where you it was basically you don't choose to become a hero because you're normal or because you are like a well functioning member of society. Batman's a great example of this actually most Batmans are where you know. He's he's a rich person who has a lot of he has the ability for a lot of uh, agency over his world, but he is fundamentally broken uh, because of what happened with his parents and what has happened in his life, right? And so Batman often takes on the mantle of Batman because he becomes convinced that he the world he wants to see can't exist unless he does it, Um, and in a lot of ways. I think he's a a, sort of a good analog to uh, the heroes in Stormlight Archive because his – what's the word I want to use? His inciting event, the thing that – Tragic origin story. Yeah, his origin (laughs) story, right? Tragic origin story um, created this person who decided the best way to solve their problems was to put on a, a bat suit and go fight crime in the streets. Like, right. Like, if you if you want to look at that from the... Re- like, if, if I was walking down the streets of Madison and saw a mugging, which would be a very rare occurrence, but whatever, uh, saw a mugging, and then saw a guy in a batsuit punching a guy out, well, first of all, I'd be all like, oh, it's Batman, but not. But, like, if I hadn't seen any of this sort of thing, that's bananas, right? Like, who does that? Right. The... Like, when when you talk
1: about, when you look at any superhero universe, there's there's only two ways to become a superhero. It's, you have a tragic origin story which screws you up enough where you go out and you decide that, you know, murdering a bunch of people to avenge your family, like you're the Punisher, is the right thing to do for some unknown reason. Or you had power randomly thrust upon you, like the X-Men, right? Right, right. it, it, you you can't you can't decide to become a mutant in the, the x-men universe you just some people get it some people don't the people that do kind of have it thrust upon them but th- those are only two ways to become a hero in most superhero fiction uh it, you, you don't get to you don't get to sign up to become a green lantern weirdly enough even though they're like the one hero order where you probably could <laughs> but like it, nobody nobody like nobody like gets in a waiting list to get to try out the green lantern ring instead they just they go and they're like this person is screwed up enough to be a Green Lantern. The,
0: the, right? the application process has, like, five stage gate evaluations, and you can you fail any one of them, and you have to start all over. So, like, yeah, they mostly just go and recruit. Yeah. They're like and skybreakers. They, they're, yeah, and
1: they're real bad at it. The Green Lanterns are the worst recruitment organization. <laughs> like, it, Like, all right, I have this ring and I'm dying. Go find a man who has no fear. I'm like, what the hell? Kind of a, require- you're gonna get a lunatic sociopath. What is wrong with you? I have problems with the Green Lanterns as an organization. Like they, their oath is really good. I like oaths. Oaths are great, but man, they're really bad. At like, like John Stewart's the only sensible, sane Green Lantern, right? And Kilowog. Kilowog's really good, but.
0: Anyway, anyway. Uh, Steve, you sounded like you had something uh, you wanted to add. No. No? Nope? Oh, okay. No, I was just uh, – uh, just, just a leading you. question. Ah, sure. Yeah. Um, so – and I think that's that's an interesting thing to note that um, in the world of Roshar and in, in the Stormlight Archives books – um, there is this apparent conceit, although it's never actually spelled out. I don't think Yasna might say something Jasna or says it. might say of course, yeah, of yeah, course yeah, she Jasna does.
1: says it to Shalom. she says we are <laughs> uh, only yeah. knights because we're broken, right um. of course she does
0: uh <laughs> uh so yeah, uh but it, it's it, it's also uh sort of other than other than interestingly I think Superman and even Superman you could argue in some ways is broken because he's he's a man without a home. Like he kind of has a home but he's he's never going to be one of the people that he's among, right? He's never going to be like everybody else. Right. Uh in much the same way that the mutants uh aren't going to be like everybody else. And unfortunately the mutants exist in a world in the in the X-Men world where they are they are feared and hated because they are different right, which a lot of people can identify with what that is like, um, and so that, that, the, the sort of conceit that in order to do big things and, and, and sort of go away from home and start your hero's journey, something has to break you. You can even look at Star Wars for this, right? Look at Luke Skywalker. Uh, he, he, is flat out no. Nah, I'm going to stay at home and and be on the farm and do farm things. And
2: then Stormtroopers just wreck his house and and his yeah, family. Murder. Yep. And he's like, well, I guess he's all like, I guess I have an origin story. And I can Obi-Wan's go. Obi Wan's like, the oh, universe.
0: I'm glad you could tear yourself away. <laughs> now that everyone but, you know and love is dead.
1: But that's, that's still not that, what that's, he says
0: because Obi Wan's very
1: understanding. Right, but that's still the contrast because, like, look yeah. at his dad. His dad doesn't have a tragic origin story. Anakin, like, he comes from a like like a, like a shitty we have no money situation right but like realistically anakin just gets magically touched by the power
0: and uh, i guess he is a he hero cuz yeah he got he got uplifted right uh he got his his station rose because some uh some magical people came along and said, You have the right thing in your blood or whatever. Uh, and that means you get to you you've you've received your letter from Hogwarts' school of witchcraft and wizardry, so you get to be a wizard right. now. Exactly. Um, H-
1: Harry Potter, like he has a tragic he has both halves,
0: right? Yes, he does have both halves. But Harry Potter's but he... actually a great example of a of somebody who's broken, right? Yes, Uh, who's who is then becoming a hero?
2: Yeah, who who specifically gets his powers by being broken? Uh, Because the the only reason he is so stupid powerful against Voldemort is because his mother gave her life to him.
0: Right. Plus, he's a Horcrux. Well, that too. Yes, he's got a he's he's got one of the Infinity Stones inside of him. Uh, Voldemort spread the Infinity Stones throughout throughout creation uh, to, to sort of conceal his power, and he put one of them in Harry Potter. Uh, and then we got Harry Potter Endgame, uh, where... well, we, for, where First we got Harry Potter, Potter was Infinity
2: in War, room. where he had to go around destroying the other Infinity Stones.
0: Yep, yep, yeah. which definitely happened. God, I was making a joke, but uh, literally all of Harry Potter is going around steal, uh, destroying the Infinity Stones, so Thanos can't make the Infinity Gauntlet again. Right, there's cool. only so many.
1: There's only many only, only so many plots. Uh, Kurt Vonnegut right. like classed them all out at one point, right? Right. Um, and so, like, there there's only so many ways. There's only so many ways that a hero can or- originate. Like, it's just the and that's
0: yeah. And and that actually circles us right back to why this framework worked and why we could take these different orders and and say well these are other heroes who are from completely different media they you know ang isn't actually a windrunner although he runs on wind right um misty knight and war machine aren't and javert aren't actually skybreakers but we can still say well they they fit the mold uh because these are the different type and uh uh, for charles xavier right Uh, He is the closest to an actual liberal Bondsmith, I think, uh, complete with some sort of broad-based manipulative powers that I don't like, but yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Look, Charles Xavier is one of the most terrifying characters in all of superhero fiction, and I'm never going to have anybody convince me otherwise. You're not wrong, so it's hard to convince you otherwise. Right, exactly. It's the benefit of being right. Magneto is a less terrifying character, and like. Yeah. He can
1: only pull all of the iron out of your blood, right? Well, that's only when they upgrade him later. Like, yep. base Magneto at the beginning of X-Men is just a perfectly reasonable set of powers.
0: Right. Uh, anyway, but like the the, the idea that this, this framework uh, gives you an, a way to talk about heroes from the perspective of how they approach being a hero. Uh, now, in the Stormlight Archives series, to sort of talk about that... In and of itself, because as we established early on, all of these orders exist and are trying to work together uh, towards some common goal, but they all have this, these different approaches. So, sort of as our last uh, topic to talk about before we close out, because we've been talking for for a while, um, I sort of want to talk about how how does it work, and what are what are the issues when you have different people of different uh, ideologies and approaches to what it is to be a hero and do heroic things, all trying to work together toward a common
2: Well, purpose. I think we saw that in the Avengers movies uh, and, and to a slightly lesser extent in the Justice League series uh, and movie that I guess kind of exists. I really wish they would ever make a Justice League movie. Like, man, hopes and dreams. <laughs> <laughs> but we we do see different heroes trying to work together as a group, uh, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you end up with a civil war situation,
0: right? Where we we have two people who just cannot Captain America and Tony Stark cannot agree on how to approach things, and so they fight about it. And it's it's not just that; it's the.
1: the... The, the big thing with heroes is, in superhero things, is that they're very testosterone-charged, right? They solve things by punching. Right. And so the, the questions become more like, who are you punching, what are you punching them, and why? And the those those have a variety of answers. And even if you all agree, we should be punching this dude. Uh, that the conflicts are about the when and the why, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, so the... Uh, you end up with with divergences where you have a hero that says, "You know, we should only be punching them after we've we've after they've broken a law. If they don't if they bro- don't break any laws, we don't punch them." Versus another person goes, "Well, they're plan like they have all the pieces that demonstrate they're planning to break a law. We should punch them now," mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, which is a conflict, and that that that's the kind of conflict between heroes that that brings up these situations. There's also means versus ends questions, right? Where like, how good does the end have to be for the means to be horrific, which is the the core conceit at, in the heart of Watchmen, right? You know, you've united the world and you've stopped us from nuclear annihilation by destroying the city of New York. How, how acceptable is that trade? And that is, is, is Alzamendius and Doctor Manhattan are they actually heroes at the end of the movie? They may have saved, they may have saved seven billion lives, at the cost of twenty million. I mean that that calculus has to be, has to be correct, right?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure <laughs> I agree with that statement. <laughs> it, that, that's, but, it was a sarcastic. Uh, yep, yeah. Yep. Well, you, you
2: see point. that in the the um, what do they call it? The Arrowverse too, where. Uh the yeah. Flash can't stop all the missiles, so they have to redirect one and they can only redirect it to this other town. Do they destroy the other town at the cost of Central City? They do, but they then have to live with that. Oh I guess I guess I was in the right. that wasn't actually in Flash. It was uh Felicity who had to do yeah. it.
0: Yeah. So interestingly, uh going sort of circling back to the orders for just a, a hot second, I Ozymandias, from what we know of the callers, certainly feels like one of those, yes? Oh, man. From, from I, the Watchmen? I,
1: yeah, I actually contend that Nick Fury is an Collar as well, uh, because they 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 allow their ideal interpretation to be very, very broad, which is, like,
2: Yasna hires assassins. She hires assassins right. to, so that she can outbid them when they try to come kill her family. Yep. Yeah. No, but she,
1: uh, during oath. Oathbringer. She shows up and she's like, "Man, I am so glad that Sidious is dead because I would have had to hire an assassin to kill him." Sure. Sure. And so she she has no hesitation about like extrajudicial extrajudicial murder in order to protect a pretty mediocre king, frankly, her her brother. So, uh, yeah. yeah. But dice would be an else-caller. I, I think agree. think so,
0: ba- based on what we know of them. And again, some of these orders we don't have quite enough of a feel for, so we'll just have to talk about it again. Um, but I am sort of getting the stink eye from uh, some that I live with that maybe I should be closing this up and having dinner or similar. So um, any closing thoughts before we wrap this up that either of you want uh, to share? No, it?
2: I think we've pretty much touched all the orders that we have a whole lot of information on. Uh, there are a couple of orders, and for the record, the ones that we did not touch on are the Dustbringers, we sort of mentioned the Elscallers, and then there's also uh, Stonewards, Truthwatchers, and Willshapers.
0: Right. We just don't know a whole lot about them in order to talk about them. Um, Interestingly, Dustbringers uh, in the fiction is apparently a pejorative, uh, and they were supposed to be called the Releasers, or were once called the Releasers, which is Again, not not something that uh, we know too much about, but uh, it's interesting that that's the name that caught on, Uh, and when we were originally talking about this, I joked if uh, Thanos was a dustbringer and you had said somebody else had mentioned that, Steve.
2: Yeah, uh, my wife actually said, is Thanos a dustbringer, but she said it more because he Snapped and turned everyone to dust.
0: Yes, I mean that. Right, I mean, that that's is originally why. I, yes, that's originally why I proposed it too. Uh, which then, of course, Tony Stark ends his life as a dust bringer. Obviously, right? Clearly, <laughs> clearly, uh, because it's all about your actions, not about your intent. Right? Journey before destination. Kidding. Hey, hold <laughs> it. that's the opposite of journey before destination. That is, that is literally the opposite. Yes. <laughs>
1: Uh, the the thing that I want to comment on is just the these orders, I'm pretty sure that Sanderson sat down and wrote up heroic archetypes specifically to do this. And it's it's fascinating to get inside his head because he's the magic systems guy. They have ten different classes of magic. They have ten different ways of being a hero. They, there's actually probably thirty different types of magic on the planet. I'm pretty sure there's got to be three types of magic and ten, 10 capabilities within each. And uh, the that lets you just structure these things. And if you're looking at heroes at any point, you can just start by sitting down and figuring out a structure for how you want heroes to work, and just deconstruct other heroic archetypes, not just this way, but with other just make up a list and start categorizing. Uh, it's
2: also interesting to note that not all of the heroes in the Stormlight Archive are Knights Radiant. Uh, we, have, we have Adolin, uh, Adolin. as a, a notable example, though he has some other interesting things going on with him. He might actually be on the path to becoming a Radiant. We don't know yet. Uh, stay tuned for books 4 through I, 10. I, I, yeah.
0: right, I have right th- now, theories about it. Right. right now he is our Sokka slash Sander. He's our, our, our uh, Mundane uh, to use a uh, monster of the week game system reference for so now I've lost basically every user, but or every listener. Me. But uh, I have no yeah. idea what you're talking about. It's uh, it's a, a role playing system, um, that is a hack of another role playing system. Uh, Any it's an apocalypse world thing. So got it. Um, anyway, uh, if nobody has anything else, I'd like to take us out. We are yep going to be putting a couple of links in the show notes one is uh to the copper mind uh, so basically if you're interested in learning more about the sanderson verse well first of all i, I highly recommend uh actually reading the books uh starting if you want to read about the the stormlight archives which includes the the knight's radiant specifically uh, i recommend starting with the way of kings um but if you just sort of uh, interested and want to get more information to, to engage with the discussion and haven't read it, uh, you'll be able to follow that link. That'll go up with the episode along with uh, some of the other links that uh, Steve and Rob will be providing me uh, that I'll then be providing Matthew for when this episode goes up. I do want um, to mention, uh, if you're on... following
2: those links, we put a spoiler warning at the beginning. Those links are uh, 30, 30 yeah, minutes. Yeah, they're, they're about mono-spoilers. Yeah. Uh, so if you do intend to read the books... Yeah. Try to avoid the links. If you just want to engage in conversation with us, go ahead and click through. Uh, there's a whole lot of interesting information there for you.
0: Yeah. I will see if I can have Matthew, prior to all of the links, have a big old spoiler tag. I mean, spoilers all the way down. From here on down, there be spoilers, right? I, so that because, because I think it's important that if you want to, to, to not ruin someone's experience with engaging with uh, media for the first time right um but at any rate uh i would like to thank jack heese for the use of our intro and outro music thank you very much for that jack i appreciate we appreciate having the the nice gentle lead in lead out for all of our episodes i would like to thank all of the people who have been supporting us on patreon uh if anybody wants to get into contact with uh, us you can get into contact with the podcast uh, on Twitter at superhero ethics or on Facebook you can find us on superhero ethics on on Facebook and there's also a Facebook group superhero ethics uh, if you want to tweet at me Jacob specifically Jacob Malicic, you can find on Twitter at bots are people too the R is the letter R the rest are the words that I said uh, and you can also find me on Facebook or uh you, you might be able to see me on other forms of social media. If people want to get in contact with uh, with you, Steve, where where can they find you? Uh,
2: I guess at my house. Uh, I I, I, <laughs> I don't really spend a whole lot of time. You can be a hermit. I don't really spend a whole it. lot of time on social media. Um, I spend a lot of time on the road okay. and reading books. Um, uh, if you want to stop by, I I work for Star City Games Organized Play. I'm at very many Magic tournaments specifically the scg tour stop by the stage say hi to me there i guess would be a good place to see me.
1: and rob how about you uh i technically have a twitter account i don't really tweet um if they want to catch me on social media i will be on facebook in the superhero ethics comments uh otherwise they could really email if they want to email me they can robbit r-o-b-b-i-t at gmail.com
0: and we can start up a conversation about stuff so uh otherwise uh on behalf of rob mckenzie steve peterman and myself thank you everyone very much for listening and have a good day